0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of A Woman's Game. I'm Jack Target
1: and I'm Amber Tiaro and in this podcast we'll discuss what have been the top stories in the news across women's football. Who should be the new Lionesses boss and what's in store for the coming year?
0: And before we get to the news we just wanted to obviously firstly say that we hope all our listeners um, and their loved ones are safe and keeping well during the lockdown. Uh, I think you know Amber as well can speak for both of us saying that we've uh, that it's been quite difficult and we've found it all in different ways. It's difficult for lots of different people. Um, and as much as obviously we'd like to have put the content out there for you to keep you going during this, what has been a really strange time, uh, the lockdown has actually come at a really weird time for us and a very busy time for, for both of us, um, an interesting one for me personally. You know, just as it started, I was about to go on six weeks parental leave. Um, so I was kind of the main parent during that. So obviously dealing with being a parent of all time, and the lockdown and everything else that was going on and supporting my wife while she was working um and coinciding with the lack of games that were going on at the moment I think the podcast suffered a bit so you know it's 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 it was just a strange sort of time that it kind of happened but uh, I do hope that everyone's doing well
1: yeah it's um it's obviously uh we want to wish you all well and hope you have been well but like you say it's been it's been a funny time and with no sport I mean I, I work in sports so it's been interesting trying to get creative on how to create content um but yeah we do apologize um if you have been missing a women's game but hopefully you'll enjoy us being back for this special episode and we can give you another another splash of um of women's football and and what to look forward to in the coming year
0: Exactly. because so hopefully there will be things to be looking forward to, um, you know, once some, this eases a bit, hopefully we will we, we'll have some good news uh, in the game. Um, one of the things about this podcast, we're doing it sort of now as well, the timing's been right because we've had two big bits of news really since the lockdown. Um, and one of the news only happened sort of this last week and we wanted to wait for the official um, news of this. And it is the big bit of the, uh, the Women's Super League and the Women's Championship season have ended immediately. Uh, after the joint leagues board meeting early this week
1: yeah so so far no decision has been made on how they're going to determine standings or whether you know they're going to maintain promotions or relegation so that's all still to come out but this is the the big news and yeah it's come with um i think mostly positive reaction in the, in the understanding but um of course it does mean um no more no more women's football um, domestically anyway <sighs>
0: It is. Yeah, I think it was a one that was pretty much expected. Um, even the clubs said they assumed that the season wouldn't resume. Um, you know, they've got you know, 45 fixtures left in the WSL, 36 in the Championship. There's quite a lot still to go through and to try and get it all. Um, but I think a lot of us did assume that, that, that it, they would cancel the, the season's.
1: Yeah, I think there, it wasn't a huge surprise, but um, the FA did say that the d- decision has come after overwhelming feedback from the clubs. Um, and then we quote, it was made in the best interest of the women's game. So it's all been done in best best intent, but it does leave a lot up in the air in terms of, like you say, who sits on top, what happens to who those at the bottom. And just overall, I suppose, you just don't know how the season's gone from a from a personal point of view whether whether you made it whether you were top of the, the class kind of thing. So there's still a lot from from an emotional point, even if we if we see the positive in, in the idea that everyone's safe and um and it is for the best interest of the game.
0: Yeah, because you know the way that the table ended, it was as you know I think a lot of people in in other in, you know you've seen other countries as well where they first of was Belgium and then and then in France where they sort of ended the season and awarded the title straight because someone's clearing away. The winner, and um, I think the same was being said about the Premier League before they said they were returning. Uh, but they do you know the, the WSL. You got you know Chelsea were only a point behind Man City with that game in hand, and Arsenal were kind of a three points behind Chelsea. So Champions League places were kind of there as well. So um, it's you know it was a bit, a bit up in the air at the moment about how it was going to be decided um, and if they are going to rule the title. But um, it might be whether well, they're going to do it decided on. How it ended up before the season, you know, as the season finished, or is it an unweighted points per game ratio? Um, if that's the case, Chelsea would be above Manchester City and go top. So, it's there's a lot of questions that they need to sort of work out and to answer.
1: Yeah, they do, and I think, um, like you say, if if they go with this points ratio that i think it will it will change things around um but it the, the also means that you know this announcement affects those at the bottom as well so you've got liverpool who have a rather tense and anxious wait to find out if they'll actually drop out of the wsl so they sit bottom um and that's regardless of any um potential points per game calculations um as they've played more games um even you know than their rivals around them so um there's, there's that as well and i think even if we, we look at, you know, the general safety. I think I still think you as a club moving forward, you want to know how you did, especially if you're halfway through the season. Um so imagine that they're I don't know, a little bit a little bit tense while they sat at home, aren't
0: they? They are, yeah. And I think there's been a bit of a difficult time for Liverpool. We've had a couple of players released as well and there's been some um, murmurs about uh, some sort of being unhappy at the club so obviously it's a very tense time for them and they'll want to keep their status to try and rebuild and, and, and get back to their former glory as they had not too long ago really um there is a bit of hope for them there's a chance that the campaign could still be declared sort of null and void um like tiers three to seven of the domestic women's leagues um as they were all sort of null and void um so the fa board could decide to remove relegation for this season only so there is a chance that they could still be in the top flight
1: yeah, I don't think that's um, a terrible idea. Um, I mean, I know, again, some people argue otherwise in, in terms of them having games played, but I do think it leaves a less sour taste in, in people's mouth if it is starting, you know, no one, no one has to be penalised just due to this, this outcome. Um, but yeah, so Liverpool are obviously keeping their, their heads high. And they've said that, um, you know, obviously disappointed that they're unable to compete in the season, but obviously will understand any complexities of the situation and support the OPS decision. Because it is a bit of a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, they can't keep everyone happy. And I think, I mean, that's just life. Maybe it's a metaphor for life, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, this is a lot of, a lot of uh, deep, meaningful um I suppose uh, things to learn from from the coronavirus pandemic and it translates into sport and I know sports I mean one thing I will say and I've had a lot of people say um, you know it's not important in the, in the greater scheme of things in terms of you know like what's going on with our NHS and all you know our other key workers and I think in that sense yeah there is a lot more important I think work that has been done but sport is super important to morale and um, and it is does support a lot of people's livelihoods so I think it's fair game to say that you are allowed to be wanting and wishing for sport to return as we have been doing um mm. and still be finding these points uh worthy worthy of note and uh worthy of worry I suppose.
0: Well it reminds me of the the famous Italian manager once said, obviously Saki I think who said that football is the most important, least important thing there is. <laughs> so <laughs> it's Here,
1: <here's> <laughs> yeah.
0: So I think you know we are allowed to have a little distraction away from some of that and you know it is is one of the things. So um you, know, the, the, you can understand with the, the, the teams and players why they would be worried about this, and obviously fans, because it was something to kick their mind off of everything else that's going on. So we we'll hopefully have a bit of a resolution for, for what's going to happen in the WSL. Um, as for the championship, it's quite interesting there as well, because Aston Villa are actually six points clear of Sheffield eye at the top, and they're having such a good season as well, Villa. Um, so no decision's been made yet about regarding if they're going to be... Um, are we going up or not? Um, and there's been no decision about the conclusion of the Women's FA Cup, which had reached the quarter-final stage uh, before the suspension in May. So we've still got a bit of up in the air about what the two what happened with the FA Cup, as well as if Aston Villa were potentially going up or not.
1: Yeah, so plenty of questions still yet to be answered. But all we do know is that um, a joint WSL and Women's Championship board have sent uh, various recommendations to the FA. Um, to uh, determine the most appropriate sporting outcome for the season. So we trust that um, that does happen. And like we said, I'm sure there's obviously going to be upsets. There is every every season, even when this doesn't happen, in terms of who goes up and down and um, whether you think you should win or not. Um, but I think ultimately um, we, we do hope for that to come out. But one thing I would... Um, we would like to kind of touch upon here is of course we said it was it was expected but I think the question still needs to be asked or raised either rather whether the league should have been cancelled or not and I speak more like morally over profit because I think uh it's probably understandable if from am from a keeping up and running point of view why did these decisions have been made but I do think it's interesting because it, I mean has has the FA especially with the English sides taken a rather cautious route um because if you look around the world um other teams have managed to find a way of keeping their women's games alive. Um, and we are speaking about just women's football here. So it's it's an interesting one because I think we have lost something in this, in, in the fact that it, the rest of the season hasn't been continued. And could have there been a workaround? Should have there been a workaround?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point. You know, I think um, obviously there's an excellent article. I don't know if anybody's seen it um, from... Uh, Susie Brackery friend of a show on the Guardian about this as well and we'll go into some of the discussions that she mentioned there um, because in, in the US for example they've got the Challenge Cup is still to be going ahead and the NWSL is going to host a tournament in safer states with a lower COVID-19 count um, I think one of them's going to be like Colorado as well so they're going to particular areas um, and they're trying to work around player concerns and it's it's been rumoured at the moment that some clubs have been able to borrow planes to travel to get there so they're putting in place for people to be able to complete their seasons to keep it going, and obviously for women's football, it's about the interest as well, and making sure it doesn't die down. As what you know, with, if if football is coming back, then we want this equality. Then football needs to come back at all levels, doesn't it? I think is what what they're arguing at the moment.
1: Yeah, um, this article is fantastic. And she um, goes on to say that actually, you know, they've still managed to get sponsoring for it there. Um, and the whole thing can be watched on Twitch and whether we should be allowing or at least trying to be fighting for, you know, games to be played um in the UK and then having been watched elsewhere. But she goes on to as well talk about the the Germany, the four Bundesliga and um, how that's been resumed. And of course it means there's um, maybe too big a risk as we've seen a lot of players have injuries um, as they're hopping from personal training to the elite squad. But it does mean that um, it's resumed at the same time as the men's and that does stand for something, doesn't it? I mean, just the idea on the weight they're putting back behind women's women's football. Whereas um, I think there is, again, it, or at least what's happened in terms of the the, the women's league being cancelled in the, in, the, in England. It just shows that the golf is is much greater, and it's nice to see that it's less elsewhere, isn't it?
0: It is, yeah. And, and it was interesting about the, the whole thing with Germany, the situation is that, um, yes, their culture is a bit different with the way that their football clubs are run. But they were all willing to put in the same pot to try and help everybody out to make sure they had enough funding and that they can be able to carry on and and to be able to pay for the tests and everything as well, which is which is amazing. And we know about the change in women's football, you know, gone the days where we have. Um, you know, Clapham and a few other sort of teams like that. All these teams are aligned with big professional teams in the Premier League, mainly. So, if they have the funding, they obviously are all losing out, but they're still earning so much money. They've got so much in, in uh, you know, in the bank that they should be able to, you know, help out everybody else. So, um, there is there is that kind of question to be asked, I think, of of the of the you know the English leagues and the FA whether they were too quick to to jump ahead with this you know with postponement when we could we've seen other nations are working workarounds and trying to work out how to do it and if there's should be more pressure really on the premier league and the premier league teams to be able to have some influence over the rest of football you know helping you know helping them rather than just thinking about themselves
1: yeah i think um it did go to show that i think i think what you said it, earlier it was expected and i don't know if it's if i'm comfortable with that i mean i understand the logic behind, mm. behind it and i know that we're very profit driven and it's um i suppose it's we're it's the premier league rules unfortunately um it, from a global i'm um, sorry from a from a country point of view in terms of football but looking at like the, the global growth of women's football just thinking of it almost like a sacrificial lamb and in- it, it, in, that, in those terms I don't think it should have been so obvious and I understand obviously from a club point of view their concerns should have been taken on, on board but it does um does make you question like like I said um and maybe our, our I don't know managing structural across the teams, like you say, looking at the German side and and different money pots. It, you, you think if it if it had been different, of course, th- this might not have happened. So it's just it's just one to to think about. And of course, mm. if you have any thoughts on this, to please get in touch with us, whether it's on Twitter or you can um, email us. But it's at woman's Game Pod. Um, just yeah just leave a comment whether you think it was it's a given we should you know just be thankful that our players and are safe and staff are safe or whether um more could be done because i think it's, it's a good talking point isn't it
0: it is yeah so i look forward to some of your responses on that as issues i'm sure it rumbles on probably into next season and we'll see what happens uh with, with this issue uh let's move on to some other news and some other big news as obviously we've noticed that a lot of the, the football tournaments um have been moved um across all of football men's women's at the youth level women everything it has been moved um so that has affected the women's euros for 2021 which have been moved to the next summer which is 2022 uh they are going to be held in england um and been moved to july due to a clash with the uh rearranged men's european championship and the tokyo games
1: yeah, so um, it's good that they've not, you know, nothing's been cancelled there, just moved along a little bit, which is fantastic. Um, but of course, we still have to look at um, some of our neighbours in um, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and they will play their four remaining um, qualifi- qualifiers um, between the months of September and early December, which is it's good to hear, looking forward to those. So you've got um, Northern Ireland who will be playing Faroe Islands away on the 18th, uh, September is originally scheduled, and then they're up against Belarus on away on the 22nd of October, home of the, home again on the 27th of November, um, and then before they'll finish at the very last on the 1st of December against um, Faroe Island again. So plenty of little fixtures going on there. Of course, um, hopefully they'll be you know available to to be to be watched for fans who are missing it. But it, it's good to see that they're they're going to be back up and running.
0: It is, yeah, and to have sort of fixtures in in date as well is, is promising because it gives you something to look forward to. And obviously, for Northern Ireland, they've they've started the campaign quite well, and you hope that they they can you know push on and see what they can do uh, to maybe qualify for that. Because obviously, if with the with the yeah. tournament being in England as well, it'd be great to see the Northern Ireland fans. It won't be as far for them to travel if they you know hopefully. Fans will be allowed in stadiums by then, so hopefully, we'll you Oosh, know, it'll be that's great
1: for a lot there, Jack. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's hope. We've got a few years, so hopefully, you know, we've got a bit of a head start. Um, yeah. we'll see, <laughs> um, but yeah, so interested for Northern Ireland and for Scotland as well. We've done well with the last, you know, they qualify for the last two tournaments and they'll be able to make it three in a row. Uh, they're going to visit Cyprus on the 18th of September, um, and they're at home to Finland on the 1st of December. Um, so, hopefully, they'll be able to pick up the points there to qualify. Um, the group winners will automatically qualify for the European Championship finals in England um, with the second placed teams set for uh, playoffs. So, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, you know, we'll look forward to those games coming and hopefully, uh, Northern Ireland and Scotland uh, will be able to do the business.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, it's fantastic to have some dates to kind of at least have them sitting on the horizon so we know what to look forward to when. So that is brilliant news. Um and yeah, moving on to our, our next massive chunk of news, which it feels like a long time ago, but it wasn't. It's just because we haven't obviously been talking to our lovely um listeners and v- or viewers on a woman's game. But yeah, so big news is Bill Neville's time at the Lionesses um has come to an end. So his contract lasted until um, June twenty twenty-one. But um with the fact that the year is um, have come coming after and they've been postponed to 2022 as Jack has just mentioned there um, because of all this coronavirus pandemic they've taken this decision and it's we've had I think mixed mixed views but overall a lot of people think it's the right decision um, I don't know about you Jack what are you thinking about um, Phil Neville's time at the Lioness is coming to an end?
0: It's almost come a little bit conveniently if you know what i mean for both of them i think there was a there was a worry from a lot of the the people within women's football who have been in it a long time um and that's not you know necessarily a dig at, at phil for not being in it as long um although that was an issue um but there was a worry that he came into it with this world cup wanting to win it and yes we made the semi-finals but we didn't win the bronze medal match and then we had a home euros and the idea was that we need to make the best out of this with the current team we had to, to do the best that we could in those two tournaments and there was a worry that the way things are going under the field, that we didn't we you know we didn't get the bronze medal in in the world cup um and we're at home in the euros and the well, you know home euros if we hadn't have at least made the final it would have been seen as a disappointment and there was a worry that the way things are going that could have been more of a possibility so It almost seems a bit of a. a, I can. I. I feel there's a sense of relief in this from from all parties.
1: Mm, Yeah, I I understand what you mean. There is that sense of like, I wouldn't say an an easy an easy end, but a less controversial kind of fight to to, to define someone's for someone's legacy. And I and I think I mean that wasn't necessarily my my gut reaction, but I can understand. Yeah, you're right. Actually, there is. It. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't say say a sense of unfinished, but it sort of rather nicely tidies something that could have gone could have been a massive debate it, mm. it, over it um and I mean I'm I'm a little bit sad I'm I'm not saying that um Phil Neville took took the team to heady Heights you could have only dreamed of but I think he did a lot of successful things um and I, I'm gonna I, I think I'm sad to, to see what he what he I was hoping he could have done during the Euros and now that won't happen so that, there is mixed feelings I, I completely understand the decision um but I think maybe the curious side of me would have been oh but what if kind of moment
0: Oh yeah, it's absolutely. I think you know because he, you never know. He might have turned it all around and we might have won the Euros. You know, it'd been amazing. But that you know, it's it's interesting to see. Obviously, how it's it's just weird how it's all fallen because of of obviously things that were never expected to happen. Um, how it's all done, but it's it's interesting because he has done some good things, as you said. You know, he became the manager in 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 January twenty eighteen um, after some you know the previous manager and what happened there. And he led England to their first She Believes title in 2019, which was an amazing achievement to do that. We had some great performances in that in that tournament against some really good sides. Um, but since sort of last year's quarterfinal win over Norway, they've lost seven of 11 games and they failed to retain their title of the Sheba Believes Cup in March. So there was a clear dip in form, which I think is obviously not quite right.
1: Yeah, I think it's hard to, to kind of lie when you're facing those numbers. There, that is a huge... Um... A huge dip and um yeah the lionesses have actually played nine teams ranked in the top 5 and then in the world and only won one of those games so yeah it's uh doesn't look great in terms of numbers i mean you got to admit and i think um he was given plenty of time to to do things and he came in with a new philosophy and you know and we saw all oh, there was loads of focus on on how the you know growth of the women's game and and getting the visibility and i think we were all really excited about that initially um and we were like yeah this is fantastic but i think when when you've got a team you i think ultimately it is the wins they've got to be winning because if you you can talk about growth all you want but young girls trying to go into the team or being inspired by the team they are ultimately inspired by wins i mean we do need um increased visibility and sponsorship and um you know just more airtime in general um in order to grow the game but i think it has to be the wins at least and so if, if you're not winning lost seven 11 games um like you say there um and then we've only won one against um, a top five team you've got you've got a you struggle you're, you're struggling and we've, we've often talked about how they've been struggling and we said obviously the, the World Cup was fantastic in its own right but we there was a dip towards the end there was a dip afterwards um and he's you know he struggled to find the the, the, the best kind of, kind of strong team he needed even though he had all the elements and I think that's the most frustrating
0: thing it is, yeah. I think that's been the, the big thing. You know, look at the previous um, England matches that we've had, you know, Hope Powell was such a legend of the game and what she'd done. Um, but during her time, she only had a handful of, of really top class players. Um, you could argue she had, like, Kelly Smith and, and Rachel Yankee, and the rest were pretty good to to, to alright all really, you know, no disrespect to those players, just the way that the women's football was at that time and she got them to qualifiers and World Cups so and we managed to get there into European Championships and you know, we made the final of the European Championship under Hope Power as well, which was unexpected and we'd done really well um, you know, to go from that and then uh, with with Samson as well, with Mark Samson he obviously took it at the next level and we, we got to a semi-final of a World Cup and it was heartbreaking loss that we had against Japan and we managed to beat Germany in a World Cup and, and win the bronze medal when it's quite a, another step up. And it was all prepared to build from that to sort of start thinking about winning European championships and, and getting maybe some possibility of winning a World Cup. So that was the next level that we were meant to take, you know, with whoever. And Phil was that person in charge. And we still feel like a little bit that we haven't moved into that next level yet. Yeah,
1: I think that's an interesting point, because when you do look at... um sort of how Neville compares to Samson really. You've got um I mean just looking at percentage wins. So I mean obviously, you know, the games number of games playing is different, but um the, the the wins for Phil Neville was nineteen and the losses eleven and Mark Samson it was thirty eight and then the losses um thirteen. So in terms of percentage, it's a good ten percent more efficient at winning. And I mean that's that's no that's nothing to, to bat an eyelid about. It, it's quite substantial, like you said. And I think especially they I think Samson and and, and Hope were um we're really molding a team and giving them all these fantastic elements and i think it it's just a question of like what what went a bit wrong for for Neville because his legacy i mean he, he, i think he'll have a great legacy in terms of he really did have a lot of hope and i think i know he was sometimes controversial especially with you know his relationship with the media and stuff but overall i think he was generally well liked he was well respected and but i just the results weren't there were they and that, i think that's that's a disappointing thing and like he said maybe maybe the this decision's been a good one and in Sort of maybe a little bit of a cop out in terms of like letting letting it off easy, letting it all happen while in the midst of, of the pandemic. But does it mean that someone can come in better and, and try and tie up the the, the the ends with this amazing side that I was just raring to go that um Neville somehow couldn't
0: Well it's the thing I think people when he first went in, people were skeptical because he hadn't been in women's football, despite what he had done in his career and how amazing that was so but he seemed to win them over by this new attitude and making sure there was a bit more professionalism maybe than the, what, you know, because he was serious to a certain standard. Um, and then we won the she Believes Cup and everything was great. But obviously something isn't quite right since then, I think, but it's happened. And I think maybe that, that expertise that he had within the women's game, obviously people were easy to point towards that. And maybe even tactically, you know, how many games did he try and play Lucy Bronze at midfield? And as much as she probably could do it, you know, you talk about the, the world's best right back, uh, you know, someone who's getting, you know nominations for the Ballon d'Or and you want to sort of start messing about with that and I think that's an easy point to look at with with Phil um, and why some things didn't quite go right and why it was starting to go a bit wrong for him.
1: Yeah I think um, his selections were always interesting um, last minute and they did vary maybe like you say um, he should have stuck to what was working I mean we had even I think you know Millie Bright's combination in different teams and I mean maybe it was it's a combination of things. I, th- I, th- I think for sure, and I think we wanted to believe so long, and but he had the time, and even if with without the postponement of um, the you know the the Euros, I think he still had time, and I think that and ultimately he didn't, he didn't quite deliver in that time, did he? So um, it's it's no, I wouldn't say it's a crazy surprise. It's it's a bit disappointing, but yeah. So I think it's. Um, end of that chapter but i'm sure we'll see more of him I, I don't think he's a he's a character that we're gonna see just drop off um and and do nothing after this he's definitely done well as a manager in in other in other areas and like you say he got the respect um or at least you know he, he he got the the kind of the attention of us in terms of of where he wanted to go into philosophy to some extent even if it wasn't all of it
0: yeah i'm sure we'll see him probably be a pundit for the bbc during the euros yeah. in a couple of years time so um i imagine that's where he'll definitely definitely be um but the big question is going to be who's going to replace him to make no bones about this vacancy it's one of the most sought after positions in the women's game worldwide so a huge task who's gonna step in
1: yeah this is i suppose one of the most exciting things i mean a lot of a lot of uh sad things a lot of crazy things are happening in the world especially with this pandemic and other things um around the world a lot of craziness but this this is something fun to look forward to and to to, to focus your attention on. So, yes, this huge, huge kind of job role coming up here. Um, so, with the rearranged Olympic Games um, happening in 2021 will be set forward, um, followed by the Euros in 2022. Then there'll be a World Cup in 2023. And um, then you've got the Paris 2024 Olympics and then the 2025 Euros. In this little few years, you've got a lot going on. And especially then, you're going to have this senior England squad. So, all of all of these like beautiful, amazing players are going to be reaching the peaks of their careers. This is prime time managing time for a national team. If you, this is like if you were to try and find a job and you be like, "I'm going to crush that with the, with all the best elements and components." Surely this this is that job, and there's going to be people vying for, vying for it and really wanting it. I mean, I would if I was any good at managing, <laughs> this would be my dream dream job.
0: <laughs> well, a side note, I saw the assistant manager job was going at Chelsea, and I really want to apply for it, despite the fact <laughs> I've literally got you know an FA coaching first level bench for about 10 years ago and I don't think i would be qualified enough but so this job yeah it'd be great <laughs>
1: I'll tell you what you you I'll go for this one I'll go for the Lioness's one and you go for the the, the Chelsea one and I'll, I'll see you put aside somewhere
0: <laughs> okay we'll do that and I can come and help you in the summer when you know when one of the tournaments <laughs> Um, but the, the, the England job, you said it's a huge time. It's probably you know this decision is going to be a huge decision for the FA. They need to get this right because it's a huge five years coming up for England, considering the players that are coming through as well and what players we have at their peak already. Um, but the list of sort of potential people to come through is, is quite big, and we'll go through some of them sort of quickly now. Um, the, the first one sort of on the list is is Nick Cushing who you know has been one of the standout coaches of the modern era in the WSL, won lots of silverware. You know, helped Manchester City when all that you know when they first went in, and went straight to the WSL, and people were saying about, oh, you know, they bought their way into it because they're Man City, and but he took them and got obviously got a right team and built a squad, um, you know, and 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 has done superbly with them. And as you know, is a big name in the women's league, especially in England as well. And, and obviously, you can't discount his relationship he'd have had with many lionesses he had at Man City, including the skipper Steph Houghton, and And you've got Jill Scott and Ellen White, these big players, and he'll have the respect of those.
1: Yeah, I think he's, he's, a, he's a good, strong contender. However, there is a little bit of a hitch. He's just moved to New York with his um, lovely young family and he's taken the role of assistant manager um, at the men's major league um, soccer side in New York City. So it doesn't sound like great timing. You know, just accepted one job. Maybe it's enough to pull him back. Um, but another way to just into in. To, in Sorry, another point, just to interject some news for you here. His replacement at Man City um, has been announced. So they've appointed ex-Wales striker and men's academy manager, Gareth Taylor, as the new boss. um, And he's on a three-year contract. So um, the the time between has allowed for them to have a new appointment um, as they had an interim. So that's fantastic for um, Gareth Taylor. But yeah, going back to the the, um, point at hand, Nick Cushing, I think, is a good contender. He's got a lot of under, under his belt
0: he's one of the favorites for me i think
1: Mm, that is very true so another one um on our list of of possible contenders um is jill ellis so um rather ambitious um if you were to like try and get try and get her um but she's she's overseas at the united states and she's um, helped win back-to-back world cup um world cups in 2015 and 2019 and she's just got an amazing proven track record of succeeding at really high international level so i think if you were to try and get um you know, I suppose a lot of these, I don't know why they're all sitting in, in the States. We've got Nick, Nick Cushing over there. But yeah, we've got a few of our contenders sat waiting for us in, um, in the US. But I think she's another strong one. I mean, maybe it's a little bit, of a, a bit too ambitious, but I mean, she, she's a good contender for sure.
0: She is, and she, you know, she's got the, the, the heritage from England as well because she grew up near Portsmouth before she moved out in the 80s to America. Um, so i she wants to move that back. But I, obviously, it'd be a great achievement to get someone like her after back-to-back World Cup wins. My only worry, and it's only a slight if you know, nitpicking, is that from seeing a few of the American fans and some of the American media, they had a very strange relationship with G- G- They They'd like to obviously, in some ways, in the way that the, the team had won, two world cups and you can't really have any fault for someone who's done that you know it hadn't been done so she was was an amazing achievement but there was enough criticism that i felt that there was there about her and her tactics in a way that what point did they get to the stage of did they win them two world cups obviously how much of it was to do with the fact that she's got the talent that she has it's interesting to see you know it would be a great test to see about her from a managerial point of view If she had someone like England that had to get you know, to take them into Euros and win World Cups, because if it didn't quite work there, there'd be a lot of those people saying, well, we told you about this. But the fact that she had Megan Rapinoe and Carly Lloyd and the rest of it meant that she was able to win a World Cup. You know, it's it's an interesting point. So obviously, Jonas is amazing if that was the appointment. I think it'd be great. But there's that slight sort of thought in the back of my mind thinking, are we going to have problems here? Because she's not it's not the situation she had at the USA.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, like, OK, so we're we're going to be, you know, rattling through who we think is, is great, but it, it it's going to be a hard decision because it's not just who's got the, the best CV. I mean, we are sat here going with, oh, they've won this, they've won that, but you make an excellent point because actually, even though this is going to be, um, you know, an amazing opportunity for you know what we said about with all these opportunities to win over the next five years and a team who are coming to their peak you are right you're going to need some grit and if you haven't necessarily been put through the ringer as 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 boss even though you have won these titles because of your you know like the 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 caliber of your team we need to know that the manager does have this you know it's not just going to have to be great philosophies like we saw with um with Phil Neville you're going to have to know how to put them into action and get the best from your team right. so yep I think I think it's, it's a fair point and I think um it does mean that there's going to have to be some careful consideration on who who really is appointed because there's a, there's a big ask of them I mean regardless of who they are and where they've been it's, it's a huge ask and I think I mean uh, the next one on our list only in alphabetical Florida by the way not that we have this in preference um is Laura Harvey and she's a former Arsenal boss uh, another really respected coach Um, worthy of becoming a a contender and she has also previously worked with England as an assistant coach so she has a really good relationship with the current um with many of the current senior players so maybe stuff like that is actually what's going to be going to take us to the next level and to be able to win win you know and and play well in all the euros is it all those sort of like nuancy stuff and not necessarily having an an amazing cv full of silverware
0: it is yeah and having that experience within the you know England setup could be it could be hugely valuable for, for her as well um, there is a slight hiccup with this she's um, only just taken the role up of the under 20 head coach of the USA in January so um, it depends on obviously if the England job was offered to her if, if she'd be willing if that's big enough a task and you know, big enough a job uh, to tempt her away at this particular time and whether she feels she's ready for it so it's going to be interesting to see you know, I think that's going to be a lot of decision on her with her current situation. And if she feels like she's ready for it, but you know, they're the three big sort of, you know, names that come through. Obviously there's a couple who are in the WSL, who we are more familiar with, I think as well, which, which will be interesting to discuss. Um, With the two, you know, two of the best managers in, in the, in the division of Emma Hayes of Chelsea and Joan Montemoro of Arsenal. Um, We know about Emma Hayes and how amazing she is. And obviously she's done brilliantly. And, um, she's tactically determined and knows how to get the best out of her players and she's always been asked i've seen journalists as well just basically say to the fa pleading with them just throw all the money you can at her to get her away from chelsea and take the england job um because you know she she would be amazing for it and, and joe's done wonders at arsenal once he come in there um so you know he's got to be under consideration as well
1: yeah um i think they're the two really really strong um Possibilities for this role. Um, both amazing in their own right. I mean, I do like um Emma Hayes. We've spoken about her a lot in on the podcast before. Um, she's I think she you know she speaks up, she speaks her mind. She's she's great, detact- tactical and determined. And yeah, I think she would really um thrive if she was put in this position. But the only hiccup with her is that, and I think maybe more of a, of a slight jab at you, <laughs> you <laughs> as well. She's got she's you know she's really wanted and she's she's made um no you know secret of it. She's really wanted to crush Leon, um and win the Champions League with Chelsea. So. Is this a bit too early for her? Maybe she wants to, you know, claim, you know, like get out her side to help claim the European crown and then, you know, go on to do Lioness's work? Who knows? I think it's uh it's one that's obviously she's gonna have to answer, but is is would the calling be too big, or would you as a Chelsea fan, what do you think, would you want to see her take your side to 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 crush Leon or is that okay if she becomes um the new gaffer?
0: It's difficult. And I think I've said before, you know, as, as, as much as I'd I'd hate to see her to leave Chelsea. It would only be to England is the only one that I think that she would want to. And I, I think the Chelsea fans right. would be happy with. But <laughs> I, I, I think we've said this before many times on the podcast. It's, it's no lie that um, that I think her ambition is to win the Champions League and then she'll be happy to take the, the England job. I think that is her aim. And I think that's what's, you know, I hope, I hope, that's, I hope that's what happens, <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Um, and yeah, Joe is another great contender. But um, the only other thing um, or that could 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 kind of stop him um, taking the role is that he actually has been linked um, with um, his national teams, obviously, um, um, in, in Australia and um, in his home country. So that also might be an issue if he's offered a post there. So he might be torn between, I don't know, his two countries, so to speak. So um, who knows on that front? But again, two contend- a good contenders from the WSL. Um, but we you mentioned earlier how, it, you know, even... Um, Neville being appointed was actually out of the blue there was a lot of uh I suppose uh, debate initially whether the FA had made the right decision um but if we were to also look on a similar structure at trying to casting the net really wide and who else they, they could um they could possibly um take outside of and maybe the U. this whole US the UK thing um I think Sylvia Need is one who is a really good, strong contender, and if you were to look at CVs and and not, you know, maybe relationships on a personal level or experience with the current side, she's got a fantastic uh, CV, um, and is one of probably the best Euro- European bosses outside the UK. I probably say
0: she is. you know her, her CV is is pretty amazing. Um, you know, she had eleven years of Germany boss, um, and during their sort of golden era because they they won the two thousand seven World Cup and they won the Olympic gold, won two European Championships, and um you know we've we've seen England be on the receiving end of of some great performances from her German sides so you know it's it's uh, she's a fantastic manager um and it, it'll be interesting to see if if the FA want to go down that route and if she'd be interested
1: it would be pretty cool just from a I don't know totally non footballing way but like to have a German German boss for the side, I don't know maybe we could bring in some of that um, that notorious German efficiency and, and some style. <laughs> Who knows? It,
0: it'd certainly make the headlines if, if we had a German manager. I think that would be that would be a headline maker. So it would be an interesting one to 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 watch to see if if there's any development on that. Um, but the last sort of name on the list, and you know, and last but not least, because she's definitely is probably one of the favourites, probably if not the favourite for it, uh, is Casey Stony. Um, you know, the, the current Man United manager. Um, she's only led the team for sort of two years um but has been really impressive um, where she's taken her side
1: yeah all jokes aside and I'm not saying silver is, is a joke but I mean in terms of looking um at the UK and looking at um the you know the current contenders Casey stoney has got every one of my favorites and she's you know it's been long believed that this you know the former England captain as she was um will one day become Lioness's boss but I think is that time now? I think we've got a little bit of the Emma Hay situation. Is it the right time? Do we need to see her a few more years and then, her, you know, take take the reins, so to speak? But if we're looking at the nuances of, of what the job role requires, she's got a lot of respect for the current squad. squad or sorry, the current sport squad also really respect her because um, she was just a player on the side um, herself not too long ago. And, you know, she's coaching some of the, the country's best young talents at United. And we've, you know, we've badgered on about this, the, the scorelines that she's produced um, and how fantastic you know, Man United have been and how well they've done obviously going as WSL as well. So may- maybe maybe some, some some young blood is what we need. Maybe some fresh new eyes on it um is, is, is the way to go. She's she's definitely a strong contender.
0: She really is. And I think there'll be a few question marks over her manager experience. Um she had a couple of assistant roles before she she took up the Man United job and um obviously only been there for sort of a year and a bit until, until the lockdown. Um but it'll be interesting to see whether, you know, she feels about herself, whether she you know, it does she feel like she's ready for it? A little bit like some of the managers we've said. Um, is, is this the right time for her? Um, and, you know, what she wants to do about Man United, because she's building something there, and obviously it's such a huge deal. Not only is it a big club for Man United, but the history of, of Man United Wins football and for them to finally come back. And she feels like she's a big part of that story there. Um, mm. It depends if she wants to, you know, does her story end with, with Man United there or does she continue on for a couple of years? So a lot of questions for her to ask before you know, before we start thinking about whether she's going to be England manager, but I I do think she, you know, she, she is, um, definitely one of the favourites and, and I, I, you know, I hope as well that she would be a good, a good decision if, if the the FA went down that route.
1: Yeah, I think it's a similar situation where the Man, Man United definitely won't be, um, too happy to say goodbye to her because like you said, she's really building something special there. Um, but I think if she does, if if she's the right appointment, I you know my, my gut says that if she is and she's appointed, I think she's going to do good things. And she's there to stay probably as a line nurse's coach because they'll also give her that maybe extra time if she is working wonders. But who knows? I think either way, um, she's a promising, promising one. And I oh, i am so eager to look forward to, to, to see who they appoint because I think it's just going to be um, a great talking point
0: it really will need to see who they bring in for interviews and we can start narrowing it down a bit so it'll be really interesting to see what happens um, but given Neville's, uh, Neville's departure um, will not be finalized until the summer of 2021 uh, so it gives us time and the word is that the FA ideally would like to recruit a woman this time round. but you know who knows we weren't expecting Phil Neville so you know we could have anybody in there we don't know I know just yet we have to we have to sort of keep a keep an eye on this one
1: that's pretty much all for this rather special episode of a woman's game um a pop-up episode i think that's what we'll call it um so thank you as always for listening and please do tweet us with any of your thoughts um on you know whether it's the Lioness's boss or you know boss to be whoever that you think might might do um, a great job or your thoughts on um how the leagues ended um and just the future anything um please do let us know we love to know your thoughts and opinions
0: yeah we do we love it when we get the interaction from you um you can do it by you know following and tweeting us uh, on twitter we are at woman's game pod on our twitter account um but if you haven't already subscribe rate and leave a comment that does really help us so if you can do that on your podcast and service we'd really appreciate it
1: and that's been a woman's game we'll see you when we see you